Hello and welcome to worship. Today, Sunday the 25th of January. It's lovely to welcome you here into this time and into this moment and into this space. Whether you're someone who worships with us every week or whether you're new to us, whether you've been in our building, or whether you've joined us during these days online, you are very welcome. And I hope and I pray today that you hear something of God's whisper of love to you. We come into a time of worship, into a time of praise and into a time of thanksgiving. We come as the people of God. And so for this time, let's set aside the things that are left undone around us. Let's leave in God's hands the cares and the worries that we have. And let's sit in the knowledge that Jesus sits beside us, that we are in God's presence. Let's pray. Father God, we come into this time, a time of worship, a time where we are so used to coming into a building and to being surrounded by a sense of your presence. But Father, might that presence also fill us now. Even although we're sitting in the same seat that we were sitting in half an hour ago, even although it's the same seat that we watched the telly in, even although we're surrounded by all of the reminders and trappings of home or whether we're in the car or wherever we're listening to this, Lord, May we know that we are entering into your presence. But Lord, not so much that you're not usually there and we're just coming into it now. But Lord, help us to remember that actually you are with us all of the time. And so in these moments, may we become more aware of your presence with us. May we set aside all of our other thoughts so that we can focus on you and what you long to say to us. We thank you, Lord, that we can come in this time to share with you and with one another, to be blessed by you and by one another, and to bless each other too. Thank you for all of the ways that you've shown us your love this week. The text from a friend or relative, the phone call, the card through our door, the flowers delivered. Thank you for all of the ways this week that we can be sure of your love for us. The beauty of a blue sky against frozen ground, snow-covered hills, fresh water in the tap. Food on our table. Lord, all of those speak to us of your love, your care and your mercy. And we praise you and we thank you for them. We also praise you, Lord, for, for Jesus. For in, it's in Jesus that we sense your love for us that he would die so that we might know that love 
and know the life that you offer, life in all of its fullness. And for that, Lord, we thank you and we offer you our praise. Lord, as, as we become more aware of your presence, we become more aware of the things that we do that we know put us at odds with you. And we feel as though we're not worthy to sit in your gaze. And yet, Lord, you love us. And so we confess the things that we've done, the things that we haven't done, the things that we've said, the thoughts that we've had, all of which have put us at odds with you this week or made us wrong with someone else or brought feelings of shame or guilt within ourselves. For the time when we haven't offered help, although we know that we could, we say sorry. For the times when our words have hurt or put another down, we say sorry. For the times when we've lost our temper, just stamped our foot or walked out of a room and swung the door too hard behind us in sheer frustration, we say sorry. For the times when we've gone and done what we wanted to do, rather than thinking about what you might want us to do or, or what might help or show love to another, we say sorry. And as we hand these things over to you, Lord, may we be filled with your forgiveness. May they wipe clean the feelings that these things had left within us. May we know in you the fresh start that you promise us. Fill us with joy. Fill us with wonder of a God who loves us so much, so much that he pours forgiveness out upon us, enabling us in your grace to know life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're beginning a season in uh, the let Paul's letter to the Philippians this week, a letter that's written by Paul in prison. And so before we even begin with that this morning, I want you, I want you to think about the last time that you received a letter. Maybe you still receive letters quite frequently in the mail. And by a letter, I don't mean the note that I got this week telling me that my road tax is due, okay? That's not the kind of letter that I'm thinking about. I mean a proper handwritten or maybe a typed page or two from a, a friend or family member, or maybe even a card. When was the last time you got one? Because actually it's not something, well, certainly my generation, it's not something that I receive very often these days. Last year, during lockdown, we were looking for something in the garage and we came across a whole box full of old letters belonging to me that I'd kept from my student days back in the 90s when I was in Edinburgh. And my kids were fascinated by them. Absolutely fine. And the box actually sat in the kitchen for a couple of days till, because it shouldn't have been in the garage and I worked out what to do with it. And, and the, the kids actually spent an afternoon going through all of these letters, 
fascinated by the fact that I knew everybody's handwriting. I think I've told you that before, I knew everybody's handwriting and the envelope and things like that. And they wondered why my school friends um, and I exchanged letters. Why did my mum, their gran, write to me every week when I was at university? Why did I keep in touch with my cousin? All handwritten letters, all multiple pages long. Why? Well, I said, because there wasn't such a thing as a phone that we could text each other on in these days. There was no email, no text, and you know, no Facebook to keep up with one another's news, no Instagram or Snapchat. Um, and we didn't even have mobile phones that you could just phone somebody on and chat to them. You actually had, well, in my days at university, I had to go and find a payphone if I wanted to have a conversation and phone someone, and actually that was expensive. And so we wrote letters. As countless generations had done before us, we put pen to paper and we wrote letters. I want you to think about the last time that you, or the last letter that you received or wrote. Maybe it wasn't a letter, maybe it was an email, or maybe even a text. What was the last message that you sent or received? Who was it to? What did you share? Was it just your shopping list that you needed somebody to get at the at Tesco? Or was it something deeper? And so if it's not too personal, why not, if there's somebody watching this with you, why not have a chat with them? Or if you're watching this on your own, feel free to add to the comments underneath and let us know what it was that you last received or sent a message about either a letter or a text or an email. Not a business thing, but a nice thing to a friend, okay, a relative. So have a think about that and have a chat about that with the people around about you. What was the, the last message you last received or sent to a friend, either in a text or in a letter? I thought that over the next few weeks of lockdown that we might be in need of some encouragement. And so I decided that it might be good to look at Paul's letter to the Philippians. A letter full of encouragement, a letter full of faith. Paul was a great letter writer. It was a way that he kept in touch with the, with the churches that he'd begun all across Europe in the years following Jesus' death, not just Europe, but all across um, kind of Asia Minor and the Roman Empire in the, in the years following Jesus' death. Those letters later became thought of, thought of as scripture and were included in our Bibles. But that was never Paul's intention when he wrote them. They were never written to be pieces of scripture. They were written as letters. And so they're not books with chapters and verses. They're not a gospel. They're not a speech or a manual for discipleship. They're not, they're not an apocalypse, which is a kind of picture of the end of time or anything like that. Instead, they are letters, purely and simply letters. Letters to groups of Christians in each city throughout the Roman Empire that Paul visited in his mission to share the gospel with the Gentile world. Because for Paul, a letter from him to the people he knew in those cities personally and who he'd helped come to faith was the next best thing to being there in person with them. 
All of Paul's letters follow a particular pattern, and that pattern was common during the time period in which he was writing. They usually had three parts, a greetings, a main body, and the farewell. And Paul's letters are always personal. They always include references to particular people and situations particular to the believers in that area. But they were never private. So they're personal, but never private, because they were intended to be read collectively when the people of God were gathered for worship. And by that, I don't mean churches we know, a big stately building that was built on purpose, like ours is today. Rather, it would have been a house church, a gathering of households. That thing that we're not allowed to do in lockdown, but a gathering of households come together um, to, to worship together. A group of believers coming together in the city that Paul wrote to, in someone's house, to share the news of Paul's most recent letter and to hear it. And so imagine the scene as believers gathered, delighted to hear yet again from their founding pastor, of whom they were probably, certainly in the Philippians case, very, very fond of Paul. And they would have prayed for Paul and for his mission and for his safety daily. And so Paul writes to the Philippians. And the letter to the Philippians is one of the letters that Paul writes from prison. Now, if I was writing from prison or if you were writing from prison, we might expect that letter to be full of doom and gloom. But is it? Let's hear a section from it as um, Eleanor reads it for us today. The reading this morning is from Philippians 1 verses 12 to 29. Paul's chains advance the gospel. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and they'll dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of self-ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, 
to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Amen. Imagine you find yourself going through a difficult time, a trying time. Now, some of you I know will not even need to imagine that scene because it's where you are just now. I wonder, how do you frame it for those who care about you? What will be the story that you tell afterwards of your experience? How will you recount it as you go through it just now? Do you tell it like it is, with all of the drama recounting how you feel? Do you share everything on Facebook? Or do you, not wanting necessarily to share too much, or want people to worry about you too much, put a different spin on it. Paul is in prison, in a city in the Roman Empire. Now wipe pictures of 21st century jails out of your minds because this was probably nothing more than a pit in the ground which you were chained to in a horrible, damp, smelly building. And unless you were the, and you would have been surrounded by guards, and unless you were the kind of, um, unless there were kind people who cared about you on the outside, who could bring you food and water, then you would probably starve to death and die. So Paul is facing an uncertain fate. He's here in this pit, chained. And there's also the small matter of a death sentence hanging over his head. And so the thoughts that are going through Paul's head, will he be released or will he be executed? That's a very live issue that Paul writes this letter in the midst of. It's quite unlike any of the other letters that Paul wrote to the churches that he founded, because it's not written to address a particular issue or correct any wrong thinking or practice in this um, new infant church. There are no threats or strong warnings as there are in the letters to the Corinthians. No appeals for financial support as there are to the church in Rome. Instead, Paul writes to the Philippians purely out of friendship. He seems genuinely fond of these people and he knows them well. And it's purely out of that relationship, that closeness, that Paul is drawn to write. He writes thanking them for their support, because they are the ones who are providing him 
with food and water. It's his friends in Philippi who are making sure that there are people around him in jail in this other Roman city who can provide the things that he needs to, to sustain his life, to feed him, quite literally, to care for him. And so interesting, and what's really interesting is that Paul also talks about this time in his life in his letter, in his second letter to the Corinthians. And in that one, his tone, when he recounts it in Corinthians, the tone is actually quite different. He's much more depressed and he speaks of how difficult it is to be in prison with a death sentence hanging over him. But that's not the tone here that we, that we hear today in Philippians. And I wonder why. Well, perhaps we need to know something about the context in Philippi. That's not where Paul is, but it's where the Philippians are. Philippi was a city in Macedonia in northern Greece. Paul first visited there in AD 49 or 50. And that was the first converts to Christianity in Europe. Lydia, the merchant, the, the, um, the merchant of fine cloth uh, and, and she is Paul's first convert in Europe. And that event led, Paul goes out into the, the, the town and, and, um, and preaches. And that event leads to Lydia coming to faith. And she and the rest of her house and her family being baptised. The beginning of the church there, is, that is the beginning of the church there. And that's recounted in Acts 16. Now, by the time Paul's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he's visited them a couple of other times and he knows them well. He's fond of them. He knew the persecution that his beloved friends were enduring in the city or in this city of the Roman Empire. And I wonder if that's what influences the tone that he takes with them in this letter. Because the tone of those first few verses that are that first chapter that, um, that Eleanor read for us can that, that's the tone that continues through the letter. Paul writes to them as beloved friends out of concern for them, using the Greek word that he reserved for his closest co-workers and partners and mission. I mean, we're talking about the way that he addresses um, Timothy and, and Luke and, and his actual close personal friends. This is the way that he addresses the friends in Philippi when he, when he says to them, um, your friends at the start of the letter. And that word, or the word that threads itself throughout the fabric of this letter is not despair or sorrow as we might think it would be or expect it to be given that Paul is in prison. Rather, it's joy. Paul looks into his present condition of being in chains and sees where God is at work in the midst of it. And of how, even although he's in prison, the gospel he preaches, the news that Jesus is the true and rightful king, the Messiah who comes, has come to make all things new and to redeem all of creation and to bring peace, make God's love known for us. That message is still being heard despite Paul being in chains and is still changing lives, is still transforming lives. For Paul sees that the unbelieving prison guards in this Roman jail are now wondering about just who this Jesus is because 
This man Paul's willing to be in chains for him and face death for him. Why would someone do that? Who is this Jesus? And Paul also reassures the Philippians that even although there are those in Philippi who are persecuting them as a church and challenging the message they preach and doubting it and questioning it, and even although there are those who are preaching a different message, maybe a wrong message, they should they must still take heart because God has begun a work of grace in them and God will continue it in spite of the setbacks that befall them because they're still living out the life of Christ, acting in love towards all and sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus just by being. I wonder if Paul calls to mind the story of Joseph languishing in an Egyptian jail for many years before God redeemed his situation. And Joseph's words at the end of Exodus to his brothers as they are reconciled, you meant it for harm, but God used it for good. Bad things happen to good people, not because we have a, definitely not because we have a cruel God who wants to test us or, or, or push us to our limit but because we live in a fallen world. And this side of Jesus coming again, there will always be suffering and hard times. But we have a choice in how we can react to it. In prison facing death, Paul finds the hope of Christ that is within him, that God is still at work, even in this most desolate of situations, and there is joy to be found. Even if his future is death, Yes, says Paul, then even then, because Paul says with courage that to die is gain. Because even that is good. It would mean meeting his beloved Lord face to face. But that in the meantime, in this period of not knowing, it's the knowledge of the community of his friends, his partners in God's work, in Christ's work, in Philippi, who share his love for Jesus and his passion to share the news of Jesus with others that will keep him going and help him to choose life. Even in a pit held by chains. What about you? How do you deal with challenges? Do you give up and walk away? Accuse God of abandoning you? Or do you dig in and look for the ways in which God is ministering to you and blessing you in the midst of them? Paul realises even in the midst of all of this trial that God is working out the things that God started. God is faithful. And even although it would be easy just to give up, his thankfulness for the gifts of food and water that the Philippians are sending for his upkeep enable him to find the will to live, to experience God's love and presence and to dig in, to carry on and to find joy, even in his present dire circumstances. Paul could so easily write a woe is me account, but he doesn't. Instead, he writes a letter of joy and encouragement, which is an amazing witness to the hope Christ offers us. And so I wonder, what will your story be? Why not think about it as we take some time together to reflect? Thank you.
In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all and all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones He came to save, till on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live
Let us pray. Thank you, gracious God. You loved the world so much that you gave Jesus to be the light of the world. That love which surrounds us is richer than we can imagine and knows no end. We pray today for all who make choices and especially for those whose choices make a difference to many lives. In the light of your divine love, Lord, may all our choices be made. We keep in mind those living alone, COVID having taken away the routine and company. For single parents, trying to teach more children than they have technology available and no family support. The anxiety of school students, unsure of what the next few months look like. Those working in health and social care who are physically and emotionally exhausted. The often overlooked retail staff, farmers and food growers. The many people working in the third sector who have reached out in new ways to support an ever-growing population in need. We pray for those who are ill and suffering, for all who are worried, for those who are grieving or experiencing trauma in a world gripped by the repercussions of pandemic. May they feel encouraged by the small shoots of hope brought about by the rapid rolling out of the vaccination programme. Lord, may your voice be heard in each situation and may those who are in need feel your presence and encouragement in their lives. Some are happy and celebrating good news. Some look back with thanksgiving and forward with faith. Some are more fearful of what the future may bring. Some are struggling to come to terms with what they did not choose. And in moments of quiet to you, God of love, we bring those whom we know and those known only to you, that they might feel assured of their worth and love through the encouragement of the divine. Gracious God, for your church we pray. Help us to reach out, to look at the bigger picture, to take risks in faith and to discover that you are by our side. Encouraging God, you are with us in our gathering. You are with us in our distancing. Hear our prayers and blend our voices together. Unite us by your spirit 
as we join together in the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's been lovely to share with you today. Um, my thanks go to Eleanor for her reading and to Vary for our prayers and also to Vary for putting the video all together for us as well. A wee bit of news. There's um, a new coffee opportunity starting up. During the last lockdown, we had Zoom coffees each week on a Thursday afternoon. And so we're actually going to do that again. This time, though, it's Vary who's going to host it for us. Um, one of the difficulties of being a student during this time is that Vary's not able to get the pastoral uh, experience and the pastoral encounters that she would have got in normal times. And so this is one way that she can get to know some of you is by hosting a Zoom coffee each week. And so if you fancy a chat with one another, um, then why not join in that on Zoom? It'll be the same Zoom link as it usually is. And if you don't have that or if you would like it or just or have forgotten it, then please get in touch, uh, either email me or message the Facebook page, uh, give me a phone, any of those, and I can send that Zoom link to you. And if you've not used Zoom before, it's really easy to use. You can either download it as an app onto a device and you can, you can basically join a virtual um, space where you can chat with other people, see them face to face. Um, or you can use your own phone and just phone in and you can take part in the conversation. You won't see anybody, but you can take part in the conversation over the phone. So it's a great opportunity just to be able to share some fellowship throughout the week. Uh, so I know some of you are back to shielding again and not being able to see people. And it's a bit cold and wintry at the moment. And so you're maybe not even managing to get out for a walk the same way that you did earlier in the year and things. So if you would like an opportunity to meet with people, to share with people during the week, then that's uh, a way of doing that. And if you get in touch with me, I can tell you how and a bit more information about that. There'll be information about it in the Facebook page uh, and on the website this week about time and things like that. So we hope to see some of you there. Uh, I've said thank you. And so all that's left for me to do is just to wish you well as you leave this space and time. Go in peace. Go in joy. Go in fellowship with God and with one another to share the love that Jesus poured out for us and the blessing of God Almighty Father, Son and Holy Spirit rest upon us and remain with us, renewing us and refreshing us this day and forevermore. Amen. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him for he is my help, salvation. All you hear now to his temple draw near. Praise him in glad adoration. 
for 